Here at Villanova, we like to say that faith engages culture. Well, in this country, it doesn't get much more cultural than athletics. Today, we talk about sports and how and why we experience God through the action of sport. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Theology and Dialogue, presented by the Theology Department here at Villanova University. I'm Eric Kindler, alongside fellow graduate student Chris Morris. He's not just a grad student. He's a track runner and a baseball player and all-around good guy. Chris, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Eric. Thanks for having me on the show, man. I'm excited to get talking. Oh, yeah. You, you know, you got a lot of good comments, man. We've had some good conversations talking about a whole number of things, and I know you're a man of God, a man of faith. You're uh, just like me beginning your first year of theology graduate studies. Where do you find this idea of God in sports? Do you find the experience of God or the presence of God when you're barreling down for a 100-meter uh, dash? You know, Eric, it's an interesting question. It, it's something I've thought about a lot. Uh, just as we're speaking right now, the one thing that rings in my head is, you know, just the element of uh, friendship, uh, just the element of being on a team is something that's really forced me and, and just led me to find God and, uh, you know, really appreciate the importance of being in relationship with others, uh, surrounding yourself with good people, uh, allowing others to, to bring you up, allowing yourself to be vulnerable so that that can happen, and just really trying to work uh, you know, to the best of your ability to be the person that can help that person up too. So at the end of the day, you know, of course it's fun, you know what I mean, when there's an individual element, uh, when we get to be the one that's on the podium after, like you said, barreling down, uh, you know, barreling down the track in that 100 meter dash, but you know, for me at least, uh, the times that I've really felt God, the times that I've felt closest to, uh, you know, who I am as a person and who God wants me to be is when I've, you know, been in relationship with others and, uh, you know, really felt myself working, you know, whether on the field or on the track in a relay with a bunch of guys and just putting it all out there and, and you know, trying to reach a common goal and just, you know, focusing ourselves on just, a, you know, one purpose. Oh, that's great. And, and it's cool talking about relationships friendship and then also I think track has a very interesting dynamic too because you have the the singular kind of individual part of it yeah. but if you're doing something like a relay you have that very close and you need to be cohesive unit yeah. right um, our two guests today on the podcast know a lot about relationship here in Villanova athletics we have Dr. Ed Hastings of the theology department as well as Father Rob Hagen from the athletic department that joins us. Uh, Dr. Ed Hastings is assistant professor of theology here at Villanova. He specializes in systematics and sports and spirituality. In addition to his academic here work, uh, his work here at Villanova, Ed came here on a basketball scholarship, and he was a part of the university's first Final Four team in what year, Chris? 1971, my 1971. man. Nice. Can you imagine me knowing that? <laughs> <laughs> Father Rob Hagen is of the Order of St. Augustine, and he's the Associate Athletic Director in the Villanova Athletic Department for Student Athletic uh, Welfare at Villanova. He also serves as a chaplain for teams here on campus, most notably for Head Coach Jay Wright and the men's basketball team. And Father Rob caught a lot of good and wonderful press, rightfully so, during the 2016 and especially last year uh, during the 2018 run for how he was kind of this wonderful symbol and example of, again, Villanova um, you know, serving as this symbol of Augustinian Christian Catholic identity in the midst of a wonderful cultural event in March Madness. All right. So, what do you think of those two guys, Chris? You 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 introduced me yeah. to Father Rod. You pushed me over to his office. Yeah, I, I was happy that we did that because you know we wouldn't have this podcast episode yeah. if you didn't do that. So I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem at all. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the uh, the exact article was move over uh, move over Sister Jean, 
who is another influential figure in her own right during the tournament last year, uh, because Father Rob's here. Or there's another, you know, there's another sister Jean at Villanova, and his name is Father Rob. And um, you know, I had class with Dr. Hastings. It was actually called Sports and Spirituality, and uh, Father Rob actually came and spoke as a guest speaker. Uh, you know, and they're they're interesting people. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, what they kind of helped me realize and understand and appreciate is that uh, the, the goal of sports, the purpose of sports, the most important thing about sports is to use it and utilize it and not let it use you. And what I mean by that, or at least what they've helped me understand and uh, you know comprehend that to mean, is that you know you want to try to use sports to to keep you honest, so that when you go out into the real world, you're a man of great integrity, you're a man of you know high standards and great values, and you're someone who's not afraid to you know get punched in the mouth so to speak and keep on pushing and get up if you're knocked down and keep on moving so uh you know there are guys who've definitely been around the block so to speak and uh, guys who certainly understand uh you know the good that sports can do for you but also guys who've seen the bad that sports can do for you if it's not utilized properly and if you let it use you and let you know all the fame all the greed all the glory get to your head and and forget that hey you know what this is a tool that's going to help me better myself and better other people around me and uh, you know ultimately bring glory to god so, yeah, there's so many like existential human questions about how sport can bring out good and bad. But then, mm-hmm. of course, when you start bringing the op- the opportunity to experience and express God, it's like a whole new thing. And this is this is like a uh, you know, like I'm a kid in a candy store with this conversation, man. I know both of us have our research interests in sports and spirituality, mm-hmm. and so needless to say, this conversation was a uh, a really fun one. It was a stimulating one for me. These guys give me a hard time in the interview because I'm from St. Joe's, yeah, yeah. and I was like in the middle of them, and it was just like it was, it was, I was adjacent to two Nova guys. It was like uncomfortable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, this is just weird. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. kidding. I know, I'm just I kidding. It's hard. It's hard. You know. But. It is what it is. Now, um, in in today's episode, really the main question is, where do we experience God in sport? And the conversation is driven, first of all, by where Ed and Father Rob first experienced God in their development of being a part of sports. And then, basically, Father Rob gets into his participation in the men's basketball team um, and how Coach Jay Wright really develops a culture and how important that is and then we get into some really interesting and I think important conversations because so much of theology today is liberation theology rightfully so a hermeneutic of the oppressed asking how is society really serving and how are we as individual Christians critiquing and trying to work for justice for people who have not been given equal rights and in a lot of ways athletics here maybe on the campus of Villanova um, propagates those kinds of injustices in many ways. So we talked about that um, and just had a great conversation in total. So, Chris, without further ado, let's get into this. But any further comments before we uh, welcome Father Rob and, and Ed? No, man. Thanks for a great show. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Theology and Dialogue. Let's get to it. Father Rob and Ed, thank you so much for joining us on Theology and Dialogue. Let's get into this. We were already talking Villanova hoops before here. Guys, I want to know... Because the main question about this discussion is where you find God in sports. Maybe where you eventually find God in something like Villanova Athletics. Tell me, what is your personal story connection to sports? Ed, I know you're big into basketball your whole life. Father Rob, I'd like to hear more about you. What were your really? What's your story behind sports, and where did that lead to perhaps finding or experiencing God in that experience? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Eric, the first thing I think about you ask that question I have a lot of because oh, I do teach a course sports and spirituality how so do you I've find heard. God in sports 
But I think that um, the first thing that occurs to me is uh, when I really had to look deeply into my life, uh, when I got hurt here as a sophomore, so we could not play as freshmen. Uh, so I was playing here as a point guard. I was starting and um, sixth man. And uh, well, I knew we had a really good team. And uh, we were all excited about the, the year. And um, so I tore my ACL. We went to the national championship that game. So um, I played in about eight games. Uh, when I, but I think what really kind of literally brought me to my knees was when I uh, tore my ACL. Um, the doctor that operated on me, they didn't replace anything then. He just went in and looked at it. And the doctor, who became a friend of mine, uh, said, uh, Ed, after he had the operation, I, I can remember him in the hospital. I was at Temple University. And he said, your knee's worse than we thought. Uh, you have a 50-50 chance of playing again. I, I, I was, I'm not, and I'm not happy with this, but I'm, I've never been a big crier. Um, and I'm not happy with that. And I cried then because I was like, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> Man, I can't play basketball anymore. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So um, for me, it's like, okay, now what am I going to do? Where, where am I going to, um, what's, what's my life going to be about if I can't play again? No, I did. I did play my junior senior year, thankfully. But I had to deal with that question. What, what happens who am I if I'm not a basketball player? What am I going to do if I can't be involved in basketball? And I think that that kind of woke me up and said, okay, what, what is life about? And that kind of, you, you know, it wasn't my choice. It, I was forced to ask that question. And I, I think, you know, so that would be my, I got loads of other responses to your question, but let me lead off with that and turn it over to Father Rob. Thanks, Ed. Well, you know, I, I wasn't uh, nearly the athlete that you guys were. I mean, I could I could get fifteen in a CYO game. <laughs> Here you go. But but I I um, I think we're all coming from the uh, a same place in that you know not to go too too deep theologically, but as Christians, we believe in the incarnation. So we believe in a God who wasn't content to just kind of leave us in the world to kind of figure it out all by ourselves. But we believe in a God who who became present in the world in and through our everyday experiences and left us God's spirit um, to be present to us throughout the day, uh, throughout the week, throughout the year. If you look at any of the sacraments, what really are the sacraments but everyday human encounters? You know, the Eucharist is a meal with friends. You know, baptism is a washing and cleansing and a renewal. Um, you know, uh, reconciliation, a conversation with a friend where you say you're sorry. And so that presence, um, that spiritual presence, is with us at work, in our marriage, in the priesthood. Um, uh, so why wouldn't it be present on the court and in the locker room and in sports? And so that's why I love, you know, as an Augustinian priest working on this campus, not having you know, played at the level that these student-athletes play. Um, we share that in common, that that spirit... Um, and that spirit can manifest itself in many different ways depending on what you need. I mean, Ed's talking about overcoming injury. I mean, um, 
that's that's a reality that a lot of our student athletes face, and their identity is is associated with that, and their self worth and their self esteem, and so maybe we need the spirit of resiliency, um, the, the spirit of vision to see myself as more than just a football player or a basketball player. Um, you know, uh, who hasn't made a mistake? You know, you miss the shot, you you, you make the the the, 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 the bonehead play. Uh, one of the things I love are are uh, you know our basketball players on the on the on the bench will scream when you make a when you make a mistake, commit a foul, commit a turnover. Next play, next play. Well, you know that's that's spiritual translation. You're forgiven. Move on. And so I love being uh, having the opportunity to be a part of that and maybe help people recognize that um, spirituality and their faith isn't something that you know we just do on Sunday. And then we leave it, you know, in church the other six days when you're playing games and you're traveling and you're going to class and you're taking tests and your girlfriend breaks up with you. You know, all those spiritual values apply. And um, so it's, a, it's an everyday experience, hopefully, that we've experienced in our own lives. And then, and then take that, you know, um, kind of... Um, understanding that belief and then try to share it with somebody else and say hey do you see it in your life too and I think you both touched upon it was identity and that's a huge thing that I I want to get to in a moment but Father Rob what you were getting I think is is sport a sacrament right yeah and to be honest as a young kid growing up like I was the youngest of five from Harrisburg I, I had a really interesting and privileged perspective of seeing good sports growing up my high school is a small Catholic school, Trinity High School, outside of Harrisburg, and my—I like to say—my blood is in that school. Like my my grandmother was a secretary for the bishop. My grandfather was a dean, teacher, coach at Trinity since it began. Um, my my uncle has been the coach there for over thirty years, and he's won state championships. And I got to see from a very personal perspective what it was like to to play at a high level. Right, and the fact that it was at this like Catholic school with a very specific identity that was Christian in nature, but also rooted in a lot of different other values, I, it was this great kind of I don't know incubator to come up in. The big thing though was how was I going to live up to that? If I saw my oldest brother go thirty-two and zero as a junior and only lose to a guy named Jerry McNamara who won a, a national championship less than a year later. You know, that, that's my standard I need to hold up to. And if I'm not a Division I athlete at the end of my high school experience, I failed. I failed. That was my thing. I wanted to be a Division I scholarship athlete. And I, I did that, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because I found that my identity was rolled up into this idea of, I don't know, an, an ultra-competitive, elitist, uh, cutthroat mentality that really kind of separated me from the people that I was meant to come closer to, being my teammates, my coaches, etc. So the only reason that I played basketball at St. Joe's was an experiment, really. I played at Canisius, left forever in my mind, and then I found Coach Martelli and the other coaches, and they gave me a shot, and I wanted to know, was it possible to make sport this outward sign of an inward grace. How could this very secular, even vulgar enterprise, right, be something of the spirit? And I found it very difficult at times. It was this great social experiment in my mind. Um, I don't know if it was an appropriate thing to do as a 19 or 20 year old, but I did it because when I was a senior, I was jaded 
and I didn't really know how to do that. And as a coach, I still am, so I'm trying to figure that balance. So I'm saying this because I want to know what you guys think. How can we make sports sacrament, or how can an individual who is playing a sport experience the sacramental livelihood of the incarnational Christ that you mentioned, Father Rob, or the, or the imminence and presence of God, even the transcendence of God that we have on the daily life? Where do you guys find that, or where could you think athletes could experience that in their daily lives while playing? Yeah, I think what you're talking about, Eric, is uh, culture. And so, you know, the, the first thing that, you know, we don't, the first thing we say to a recruit isn't, you're coming into the incarnational sacrament of basketball here. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? But, but if, you, if, you, if you back it up and translate, those, those core values that we share here are really applicable. So, you know, and, and, you know we've talked a lot about Jay and, and what he does, but, but he's, he's worth holding up in terms of never does he ever talk about from recruiting to playing to preparation to the end does he talk does he ever talk about winning a national championship and so you know we all know what sports can often get reduced to about winning who gets the trophy who scores the most points uh, who looks the best who gets on sports center but when it doesn't have to be that way and when you have a culture that says um, we play for each other uh, we play for those who went before us uh, one of the things, the, one of the mantras we used in, in 2016 was, our humility is our strength. Mm. Um, and, and that doesn't always compute with a lot of people. When you have people who are willing to put their egos aside mm. and be part of something bigger than just themselves, now that's a, that's a sacramental value. That's, that's, a, that, that's how Jesus lived. Absolutely. But it also really, really f- reflects well on the court. Mm-hmm. And you can take it all the way up to that last play in 2016, yeah. where Arch is dribbling up that ball, and he's as humble as there a, 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 a point guard as there ever was, and now he's with the Chicago Bulls, and everybody wants to take that last shot, except his brother was open, and so he had the humility to give it up and 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 let the chips fall where they may, and not take the shot, and 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 so our humility is our strength, our brotherhood is our strength, our willing to sacrifice for one another is a strength. So this is the kind of culture that you can either embrace or you can, you can embrace kind of a worldly, secular way to do it. And, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to win every game. Um, but it's, it, can, it can be fulfilling. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking is um, that it, it, the idea of it's not all about me and how significant that is and I think Jay absolutely you know I could certainly what Father Rob is talking about with Jay um, great examples there Uh, now other examples that that I can think of I use Phil Jackson in class some people don't like him Uh, oh I like him I I do and I I, um, and and his thing is is teaching and he's talking about professional sports and he's talking the teams that he's had that have done well they loved one another now what does that mean well it's it's kind of what father rob is talking about it's it wasn't all about them they had something it wasn't only about winning they certainly was concerned about winning but they were concerned about playing together and they play a triangle offense no need to get into all that but what you know and probably everybody runs a version of motion offense no need to get into all that but it's it's built on it's not all about me 
and, and if you can, you know, although he's not the one who made this up, I have to say that Father Donahue um, used this. It's amazing what can happen when nobody cares who gets the credit. And it was after the 2016 championship with Villanova. But Phil Jackson teaches that way, that, that he knows. And he, what I really like about him he, everybody says, oh, he, was, he had great players before he came there, and he did. But those teams weren't winning. And we had the Bulls with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was leading in the NBA in scoring, but they weren't winning. They, they, they won when Phil came, and he, he was building a culture. Uh, and, and he had, you know, when you had Shaq and Kobe, and they weren't winning. But when Phil came and taught them to think beyond themselves about the rest of the team, um, it's, and that's a matter of uh, sharing the glory with other people. And if you can get that going, amazing things can happen. And uh, so that's not an easy thing to teach, to, to let your ego go for the sake of the team. Uh, and I think Phil does it. I certainly think Jay does it. And other people do. I think Mike Krzyzewski does it. Um, but when you can get that kind of thinking that I'm going to play defense that may not help me get my name in the paper, but I'm going to play defense for the sake of the team. I'm going to pick my teammates up. I'm going to be yelling. And I think the thing about Jay, everybody's got a role. <laughs> everybody's got their thing to do. From, you know, the players on the bench to the rebounders, the shooters. And if you can get that thing going, that's sacramental. Now, some people look at it and say, ah, what are you talking about? But it's not, if it's for the team, for us, uh, thinking beyond myself, I think that is very, very sacramental. Just talking about other coaches, and, and I don't know how <clears throat> uh, spiritual Greg Popovich is or isn't, but he was asked one time a couple of years ago, um, you know, he's got five world championships now, he's going to coach the Olympic team. And they asked him, what do you look for when you recruit a player? And um, you can imagine the answers you might get, you know, uh, vertical leap, know average points per game you know bench press whatever um, his response to what do you uh, look for when you recruit a player was uh, we look for a person he didn't even say player we look for a person uh, who is over himself hmm. and um, that really speaks well especially if, you, if you're familiar with the way the Spurs play they do kind of play a system oriented way where um, you know, it relies on kind of, uh, you know, recognizing that there's four other players on the court and it demands uh, kind of an unselfish way of sharing the ball and, and playing team defense. And um, But to have somebody who's willing to um, buy into that, to be part of, uh, you know, not necessarily be the star, uh, but make a contribution. And um, as Ed was saying, you know, Know your role, but also respect and embrace other people's roles and see the value in what everyone brings to it. So if we continue on talking about identity, especially identity within the role of culture, I think you guys brought up a lot of interesting things because I believe you brought up individuals that have natural abilities to lead. Like I don't know Ryan Archidiacono, but I saw him play, played against him, watched him closely. I think he just had natural abilities to lead. Right, and I think Phil Jackson might have brought that out in people. Right, so there are probably people who were more apt to be leaders or selfless. 
Um, but Phil Jackson's great, especially with Sacred Hoops, because it talks about him establishing himself. Yeah. It's a great disservice to just think of Phil Jackson as however many rings he had. And we forget that he was oft, oftentimes like this wandering kind of hippie of a sorts, right? And it took some time to get established, but he always had a spirituality kind of right exactly where, where he was going all the time. So if, if we're talking about a culture in an existing system here that's, that's ultra competitive, you mentioned personhood. Right? What can coaches or people like yourselves, right? So you're the you're the chaplain, father, or, you know, Ed. You work directly with with students. How can people who teach young people continue to bring out that idea of personhood, especially when oftentimes young people are themselves, by virtue of what they do, reduced to their ability to play. You know, if we're talking about, say, a five-star recruit that comes in and maybe isn't doing as well as he'd like to be doing. How can that individual see the the true dignity and worth that he or she has in the midst of this environment? I I think what I would go back to my experience that forced me to say who was I who am I beyond a basketball player you know when I get hurt um, my identity for sure was I was when I came to Villanova I I was a basketball player (laughs) and that's what I wanted Um, I would love to have played beyond uh, so my identity was wrapped up in that. When I, when that, when that doctor said to me, "There's a 50-50 chance you may not ever play again," I had to look elsewhere. My identity could not stay because that jolted me. I mean, I jolted me. And so, how can we help? That I think it's helping them to look deeper into themselves. And I think what I'll try to do is um, help students look at when they've messed up uh, when when they won I mean who are you does that make you more valuable are there, are there trophies are the headlines you and I think we can go we can help them I know for sure in my life that I've learned more from my losses than I ever learned from my wins now I, I, believe me when I tell you I never ever wanted to go on a field or a court being content with losing. And that's the last thing I wanted. But I know that the, the losses that I had to go through um, kind of brought me to my knees and said, okay, what's this life about? If this is not, it's not, if it's not about, if I'm not going to die after I lose, where's, where, where's my sense of self? So I think what I try to do through um, help, helping the students, uh, seeing, giving them assignments of look at, be reflective about your life. How did you handle losses? How did you handle getting hurt? How did you handle when you know you were the goalie and you let the goal in? Is did did your are you worth less because of that? I don't think so. But you know, I think sometimes. It takes suffering. It, it takes losing to, to for us to search for who uh, go deeper. And I, what I try to do in my work is to help them see in sometimes the painful moments that it's not only about that. That we're more valuable. We're deeper. We're um, 
I mean, I think it's what Augustine found out in his own life, that that he kept searching and finding his own identity. And in the end, when he felt at peace, it was finding himself in God. And so that's, it's not that quite explicit, but I try to help them reflect on what gives life value. You know, when a great thing happens, a good thing, a bad thing happens, how do you get a sense of, of who you are and, and help them work with them and, and, and kind of what makes us who we are? I mean, that, that, that's the kind of question I would like them to be asking. That's Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, as coaches, <laughs> but also as parents, um, we, we have to decide how we're going to keep score and what we're going to celebrate because it's so easy. I, I see, I, I do it myself even, you know, I'll go over to my uh, sister's house and I'll see my nephew who's playing for Bonner now. And, you know, if he had a game, you know, how many points did you score? Yeah. You know, yeah. did you win? Yeah. You know, and, and we have to be really careful about how we measure and celebrate the experience. You know, when I play golf, you know, and uh, I'm a hacker, you know, and I come in after the golf, the first question somebody says, what'd you shoot? <laughs> Instead of like, hey, did you have a good time out there? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, to, to come in at the end of the game and, and maybe not celebrate Josh Hart, who had 25, but celebrate the walk-ons who pushed everybody in practice that week and helped them learn the other team's, you know, defense. That's a choice for a coach to make and say, well, what are we going to celebrate here in this moment? Hey, uh, how about those managers who who did all the laundry this week to make sure that we were ready to go, you know, and, and actually decide what, what we value and celebrate all the parts of the experience instead of just reducing it to the win, mm -hmm. to the points, mm -hmm. to the minutes, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and, and all of us, all of us have opportunities to really, um, if we catch ourselves, decide, well, what are we going to hold up? What are we going to recognize as a value? You know, um, I'll see Jay, you know, somebody maybe, maybe eight guys played and two guys really, you know, thought they were going to play but didn't play. And he'll actually celebrate their body language on the bench. How about, how about Johnny? You know, he was so engaged. You know, he was engaged in everything that we were doing. You know, he didn't get in court today, but, you know, he's ready. That's seeing a bro with a broader yeah. vision yeah. of, of what, what we're measuring here in terms of the value. And... Um, Jay was, was just talking the other day, you know, a word we hear a lot these days is leadership, you know, and, and, and leadership, you don't necessarily have to have a C on your shirt to be a leader. And, you know, talking about Arch, um, he was a four-year captain. He was a captain from his freshman year here, which is, yeah. And, and so I That's think, again, <laughs> as coaches and parents, sometimes you can see in somebody else what they may not see in themselves yet. And, and encourage them to kind of pull leadership qualities out of them that they might be reluctant to because, you know, they're younger, they're underclassmen, they're not, they're not really sure to say, hey, I see this in you, you know, beyond, beyond the fact that you can shoot the ball really well. And uh, he was having a conversation, Jay was having a conversation with Mitch Kupchak, he was in, I guess, his, uh, one of the NBA teams was in a couple weeks ago. And, you know, the, the other line you hear a lot is, lead by example. And, and that's a good point to have somebody who just, you know, willing to just maybe isn't as vocal, but willing to do the things that need to be done to show the others. But what Mitch was saying to Jay was leading by example might get you the respect and admiration of your teammates, but it doesn't get them to do it. 
And so it, it, it requires more than just doing it yourselves. It means engaging in somebody else's life and actually calling them out a little bit, a little bit of accountability piece, which it's never too early to encourage people in those areas beyond just, you know, how well, how well is your shooting form or your, you know, uh, your practice time. Anything else on this, Ed? Yeah, um, I was thinking of something. I kind of lost it because I was listening to what Father Rob was saying. <laughs> well, it's all good stuff, guys. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> really. it. And so let's, um, let's switch gears just a little bit because I, I just appreciate this conversation because we're talking about the people that are doing this stuff, man. And, and Villanova is funny to me because, you know, I'm giving myself up here, everybody. I'm a St. Joe's Hawk. I'm going to say that loud. I'm St. Joe's Hawk. All right. With two Wildcats to my left and right. They're going to beat me up here. And I, I think I always appreciated Villanova the way that they were because, I don't know, I think these big five guys, they, they have something going on. You know, Phil Martelli and Fran Dunphy will go against each other for the last time on Saturday. Oh, and is it Saturday? Yeah, yeah. And, and apparently, you know, just being asked about it, you know, Coach Martelli got, got choked up about it. I because, you know, I've, I've met Phil, you know, I've met Fran Dunphy in passing a number of times, and he just, I don't know, he just seems like the kind of salt of the earth guy oh. that, you know, he Phil. just is big five basketball. And I know Coach Martelli is, and I was fortunate to be a part of that. So with that being said, I say this with a heavy heart because I have, for how much I love sports, I have a great ambivalence towards it because there is so much good in it because of the people. But I want to talk about, if you don't mind, um, th- this idea of, and, and you follow around, we can get deeper into theology here, man. This is theology and dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. The, there, there's an idea, right, of a hermeneutic of the oppressed, right? So interpreting scripture to be able to, um, you know, be speaking towards the groups of individuals who uh, have been slighted in society, and it's our duty as Christians to to seek ways to to look at the periphery and, and seek justice when it's necessary. In a lot of ways, I've kind of found that relevant in the very experience of college sports. Um, I think my my greatest association with college sports since I graduated, for better or worse, has been you know for fighting for equity for college athletes, right? Because there is a lot of issues on that side. So, what I want to ask you guys is, you know, how do we how do we deal with that? Like, for instance, Jerry Beyer here in the theology department talks about maybe the Nike contract that Villanova has here and that everybody has here. It could be Nike here. It could be Adidas schools. It could be Under Armour. And he talks about if there is an individual who becomes self-aware of the fact that he or she doesn't agree with how the product is created and then implemented and licensed through the school, it's against one's religion, is that perhaps a situation of religious freedom? Right, which I think is an interesting conversation because basically Jim Keady of St. Joseph's University came to that conclusion, so has been fighting against Nike to do so. And so I want to hear what you guys think about these kinds of situations. You know, the idea of mass commercialization within this very pure product of basketball or collegiate athletics. How do we deal with that? Uh, what are the what are the ways that are positive? In, in the implementation of these things, and what are the drawbacks of having mass commercial enterprises like Nike uh, licensed within the, the university? Well, I mean, I think it's a really good question, and uh, it, it's easy to lose perspective on it because sports can be so big, and um, so I think it's important to uh, for us to remember. Things like mission, things like what are we really trying to do with athletics, 
does it give us the opportunity to see beauty uh, that can come together in sports? But we can also, I think we have to be aware of, uh, are we exploiting people without even knowing it? Like, um, you know, some of that, what Dr. Bayer is talking about, you know, um, are we allowing, you know, certain organizations, uh, shoe, sneaker companies to determine our own values? And I think we have to be careful about, you know, selling out to them. I, and I think, and it is about living out the mission of the school. And um, I know that uh, that's not a popular thing, and I, but I hear, and I, I think we constantly, as a Catholic school, as a Catholic Augustinian values that we're trying to live, to consistently ask the question, because we are sending a message. You know, we have this big, you know, exposure, and, and um, you know, I, I think... You know, not to get off on another topic, but you know, the Kaepernick thing. I, I respect him for what he did, and, and to use he, he's got the spotlight and be able to speak a message. And you know, uh, there is the Catholic social teaching does have values that we need to uphold, and yeah. we have to be careful. So keeping things in perspective because things can wildly get out of hand, and um, so I think there's a value in. in bringing things back to what we stand for, what do we want to promote, because we have this spotlight on us, and uh, I think we want to maintain that, And I, I think, but it's not easy, and I think um, uh, Jerry Beyer is calling us to, to do that, and, and uh, are we selling our souls to those sneaker companies? I, I think that's a really important question that we have to ask. Are they? Are they? Uh, I think probably you know it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think I think what does is money determining what we're doing? I think that's a that's really an important question. You know, I don't, wouldn't want to say that we are that, uh, but I think if money's going to be determining what we're uh, uh, wearing. What we're trying to promote, money's important. I don't want to, you know, Jesus never was against money. He, 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 he said, be careful what money can do to you. But he never said money's a bad thing. He just said, really watch out what money can do to you. So um, I don't want to, yeah, I, I think we have to be careful. Mm. That's what I would say. Okay. Yeah, I think it really hit the nail on the head when uh, mission has to remain at the forefront of everything that... <coughs> Often, you know, schools, institutions, companies, you have a mission statement, and it kind of winds up in the bottom of somebody's drawer. And uh, it's something that we need to go back to really every day in terms of our decision making. And, you know, you talked about making sure that we're rooted in scripture, and there's a kind of a, a theological, scriptural, Augustinian charism that, that, that should serve as the basis of everything that we're doing here. When we were in Florida for, uh, just recently for the uh, uh, Thanksgiving tournament, we happened to use at one of our pregame meals um, the healing of the leper. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, a powerful, that's a powerful image when you think about how Jesus you know, 
went and approached and touched someone that nobody else wanted to engage with because um, it wasn't just a physical disease, but it was social and it could be isolating. And, and Jesus broke down those barriers and, and basically said, hey, look, you're, you're with me, you're with us. And, and that's a powerful metaphor for a team where there's no metaphors. Or there's, no, there's no lepers here. In a community, in a school, there's no lepers here. And if you want to raise an objection or uh, some dissatisfaction about how something's, do, how something's being decided or how something's going here or you feel marginalized for some reason, then we want to have an environment where that communication is welcome, where you still feel a part um, of the process. And quite frankly, that has happened. Um, in the last couple years, we have had um, people march into Father Peter's office who have um, uh, issues with um, our Nike contract, with uh, the Workers' Rights Consortium, with the uh, Hansai factory in Vietnam, and the working conditions that are that are um, you know present in part of the production of the apparel that we wear and that we use and that we sell. And um, Georgetown held a, uh, a conference where many, including ourselves, uh, members of the Big East Conference, went and, and spoke and talked as we are right now about the tension that we feel about this issue. And um, there is a code of ethics that's, uh, that, that runs with these contracts that was, um, you know, Nike was asked to go back recommit to and we put a couple other things in there in terms of ensuring the uh, the conditions that are in these factories where 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 we kind of uh, take this apparel from did we solve all the problems down there uh, probably not but it's that kind of awareness and open communication and and um, recognition that um, if we don't keep our mission at the forefront of this thing, it can easily be about exposure and TV and and money, which, quite frankly, we, we benefit from. Mm -hmm. So we have to be honest there, but we have to do it with integrity, and, um, and we have to welcome points of view that might challenge our bottom line. It might challenge what we sell in the bookstore um, and be willing to really stand on those lines because we're com we're committed to our mission yeah this is this is a hard hard thing because when I, I when I finally started becoming aware of this stuff like I was a senior in high, in college and I, I don't know if you I, I still wear my St. Joe's book bag and it has it has you know it has my yeah. St. Joe's stuff yeah. and it has Nike yeah. to it and, yeah. and it's funny I wear I had like a winter coat that I got from playing and it's like just happens to be the nicest jacket that I have and there's yeah there's this great just like i don't know ambivalence towards it um but but i i appreciate you guys speaking candidly about it well i think you know it's interesting as i was listening to the two of you speak um the word that came out is awareness you know I, because i think that you know it, i was working out yesterday and uh, i looked down at my sneaks and my socks they both had the nike thing, you know, swoosh on there. And I said, what? What am I doing? You know, I, I was like, I, no, I, I'm not going to want to condemn it. I you go crazy on it. But I'm like, where? Why? You know, <coughs> why do I? I just, it's really, I did. Uh, um, and, and it's about awareness. I mean, not that we want to 
you know, with Father Peter, yeah, the pressures that he has, and but I think it, we, I, I think it's up to us to be constantly trying to be aware, not just doing things for the sake of doing things, to be intentional about why we're doing things. That's what the purpose of a mission statement, I think, is, and and how is everybody wearing all this whatever different insignias. Uh, why are we wearing those things? And, and to be aware, just trying to be aware of what's the point? Are we selling ourselves? Are we compromising values? I think to be constantly asking that question. I'm glad Georgetown was doing that. I didn't even know that. that that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. And so trying to create awareness, I think, is a big deal. Um, anyway, that's what I thought of. Yeah, awareness is great. And then you got to be able to sit and discern with that's what you're right. going to do with it. you got to do something with it, too. <laughs> Cause that's right. And that's uncomfortable. Because we might as well just throw out all our clothes then. If that's, you know what I mean? Seriously, if that's well, if that's the situation, it, it, I, I can't tell right. you how many things, if we're going to talk about, like, uh, big sports companies, that's, like, all my clothing. Right? So what do I do? Just, like, throw out my whole wardrobe? Right really? It's, right? it's right? my winter jacket. Yeah. yeah. So so what do I do? I mean, I love Ulta Gracia, but, like, I don't think Ulta Gracia makes sneakers or whatever. The big thing that I've come to the conclusion of, it's not so, and this is the most practical in my mind, it's not so much right now the wearing of the product, but the ability to choose it. Um, you know, for an individual, I think yeah. the greatest issue right now, like a lot of things in college athletics, for, for students to be able to have the choice, right? The seat at the table, to have, um, you know, a meaningful um, ability to have, uh, to pave their own way. Like, I don't have a choice not to wear that, yeah. right? So I couldn't, I think that right now is maybe the biggest thing that could have some practical uh, you know, relevance in what's going on. Um, because let's face it, if I if I choose to wear something else, then I would be told, you know, otherwise, you know, as an athlete, mm-hmm. um, and that could cause some problems for yep. me. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I appreciate you guys' openness on that. Um, where is Villanova heading right now? Because uh, they're at a great point. I mean, men's basketball. You guys work directly with men's basketball in very very real ways. Two national championships in three years, incredible. I mean, mentioning 2016, like. Father Rob, man, I I knew those guys. I didn't like those guys. All right, but I, my last meaningful game honest. of basketball, yeah, I remember this. We were in Buffalo. We just lost to UConn. <laughs> I'm walking off the court. And I see stupid Villanova waiting to go out on the court. You so, guys had them too. I oh. remind me about it, man. I was fearful. Uh, yeah, insane. yeah, I'm yeah. serious, and I, I talked know. to Jay about this, <laughs> and I talked to Phil Martelli about it, and he said, "You're right." That could have easily happened. I, yeah. Oh yeah, we were, yeah. and I just remember walking off the court, oh my God. Um, and they were standing there. I guess you guys were like in the locker room adjacent yeah. to ours, yeah. and you were waiting. And I was just like, "Look," and I was like, "Don't." I remember that. Stupid yeah. Villanova. And so I, though, really, really appreciated all those guys because yeah. they were cool. Man. They were. They, yeah. they nothing. Phased them. Nothing affected them. I saw them play St. Joe's the next yeah. year, and everything that the Hawks threw at them, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And, and someone like, you know, we haven't even mentioned him yet, but Dante DiVincenzo, I think, emulates a lot of the values yeah. that we've talked about. For sure. Um, he was really, really special. A Silesiano guy, right? So Villanova, they've done great. You know, they, they rebuild this, this, uh, the pavilion here, a new venue. You're rebuilding basically a whole town across the street, right? I'm sure there's a lot of great interest within the university. How does Villanova capture this attention and take it to mission, right? And how how can it 
uh, continue to use something like, say, men's basketball to bring out an idea of mission that's rooted in the three Latin terms of veritas, caritas, and what's the last one? Unitas. Unitas. Okay. All right. So I knew two of them. Very right. good. Just, so, just a quick aside. I did Latin once. Just a quick aside on that, that? on that point. You know, so we have veritas, unitas, caritas on, yeah. the, on the archway in the football stadium. So the unitas mm, is right on the right on the front as you come in the stadium. Oh, I love that. And um, opposing football coach, you know, he's all football football mentality, you know, and he says, Uni, "Did Johnny Unitas play here?" <laughs> Johnny Unitas. <laughs> That's good. Nice, man. It's a here from Father Rob. Nice, man. I'm going to put in a dudes in the background for you, man. That's good. Johnny Unitas. Johnny there you go. Unitas. But, but um, we, you know, it, it, the good thing about Villanova and St. Joe's and LaSalle and Newman and a lot of, you know, uh, of these just uh, Catholic, Christian, mission-centered institutions is uh, we don't have a monopoly on these values. We share these values. And we didn't come up with them yesterday. And so, you know, we have a tradition and a legacy and a history of trying to do and, and, and stay true to these core values long before we won in 16 and 18, long before we won in 1985. And, and, and so that's really what it is, is... Sure, you know, academics have gone up and our facilities are incredible and, uh, you know, our, our, our sports teams are, are successful and, and we're trying to grow the endowment and, and all that. But in a lot of ways, the playbook won't change. And that is, you know, are we staying true to who we are? Are we building community? Um, do we take the student part of student-athlete seriously? Uh, do we understand that there's a, um, a service component to this way of life, that, that there has to be a give-back piece, that it can't be just about winning championships and graduating and going on and making big bucks, that there's a, a belief in, 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 in serving your brothers and sisters? And, and as long as we're committed to that, then, then let's, let's be successful because that's going to give us, uh, continue to give us a platform from which we can serve a greater good. And that's why it really excites me to see a, a, a Jay Wright or a, a, a Father Peter or a Dr. Hastings or a, a Joyce Russell in the business school, people who are in very key positions who are not just trying to advance their own department or their own team, but trying to advance the mission so that wherever we find ourselves, whether it's in the theology department or in the business school or, or on the court, we use this platform to advance and, and promote these values in a world that I would say is really hungry and thirsty for those values. Mm. And it's not something that you're, you know, you're necessarily seeing on the front page of Time Magazine or in the New York Times, but if we're a player in the world and we're relevant you know, on Wall Street and in the NSA tournament, and, and wherever else people find themselves in competitive environments and we bring these values with us, now we have a really, we have a great opportunity to sell it to a wider audience. Well, I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, I, I certainly absolutely agree with Father Rob's statements there. I mean, we have a, 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 an opportunity to um, teach uh, because of who we are, I think now. But again, this, this didn't just come recently. It, 
it's 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 been coming that we have an opportunity to teach that that, that these Christian values in, in that to be I you know Jay has been in my class too and um, that what he brought with him was the where the uh, uh, bracelets bracelets of humble and hungry and to see that you have somebody that's winning national championships that's talking about being humble. Um, no, hungry, absolutely. We're going to be aggressive, you know, we're going to be fearless, but we're also going to be humble. And, and to say, I mean, that humble humility is, Augustine was using those words way back, you know, 1,700 years ago, 1,600 years ago. And that that's not just a church word, that, that it, it that how I treat my teammates, how I treat my opponents, um, how I treat the younger people to be of service. I think we have an opportunity to show that Christian values can make a difference in the world. Uh, we can easily lose sight of that, you know, lose perspective, but see, we, we're in... We have a chance because of um, what we've attained. I guess that's probably not the right word, but people are looking to us. To to can we win with humility? Can we win and not lose our heads? Can we achieve and yet maintain uh, a sense of sports are valuable? And I so I. I don't want to come across as a purist, but I, I love sports, and I'm sure we all do here. I grew up with it, and I believe that I've learned a lot about life through sports. It's not the only way to learn it. You can throw it, learn it through theater. You can learn it through arts. <coughs> For me, my learning, a lot of it came through sports. And uh, mentors that I had taught me that uh, it's not just about me. It's about my teammates, and, and I can... Um, forgive them I can learn forgiveness on the court I can learn what it means to, to die and lose on the court I can be messed up and I think that's what I'd like to and not just by the way in basketball you know it's in all these other sports too and, and if, so that's why I totally love teaching sports and spirituality it's my it's not the, it's not the only way by any means but it does it's a big Sports are huge in our lives. We wouldn't be sitting here right now. Um, but, but we can also learn life lessons and also spiritual lessons through sports. And that's why uh, that's what I am doing what I'm doing. And I, and I think we have to continue to, I have to continue to remember that why am I getting so upset that the Eagles lost? Why am I getting so upset that the Flyers can't win a game? You know, I have to say, why do I take it so seriously? But, and I do. <laughs> By the way, um, you know they, there are more things, more important things than that, and, and that's what I want to maintain. And, and I and I need to do that in my own life. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's it's I guess it's probably about awareness too. Yeah. Yeah, about those ego things, there might just be better teams out there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, Philly sports fans. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. All right. Well, well, in any case, Ed, you mentioned your class. This was a great conversation. We'll let you go and continue that conversation, doing the good work that you do at your class in sports and spirituality. Father Rob, 
Dr. Hastings, thank you so much for joining us on Theology and Dialogue. I hope this conversation was as enjoyable for you as it was for me, because this was great. It was this great. Absolutely. Love Time it. goes like that. It did. This yeah. is great. Well, again, thank you, gentlemen, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, sir. Thank you again to Father Rob and Ed for joining us on Theology and Dialogue. Chris, such a great conversation. It was one that was really special to me. I kind of circled this one on my calendar because I, I was just really looking forward to speaking to Ed, who's been an ento- a mentor of mine, and, and really I'm indebted to for being here. And Father Rob, just knowing that he's so like salt of the earth and he'll tell it like it is, right? I, you know, I wasn't throwing all softballs. I wanted to challenge the guys, and I, I knew that they would provide true, meaningful, and authentic conversation. I appreciate, I so much appreciate them doing that. So, Chris, any final thoughts here in the concluding thing, uh, in the concluding remarks? I am especially drawn towards uh, Father Rob, who actually talked about this right when we finished. Um, finished listening or recording, rather. Uh, he talked about a situation in which on Holy Thursday during the NCAA tournament, in alluding to Jay Wright's culture, right, and listening to the presence of God and and being an image of Christ, you know, through the Augustinian mission and the basketball team, they washed each other's feet before their game. I think they played like Miami or something. And I could just imagine these guys, like, I thought that was kind of cool. Imagine on a Holy Thursday, you're sitting down with your teammates at your team meal, and before you go out and play the game, you wash each other's feet, in the spirit of the apostles. Absolutely, man. It's, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, especially in March in the NCAA tournament. You can't get by on talent alone. And uh, I remember when Father Rob told me that story for the first time, the big emphasis he put uh, was on just the eye, the look on those guys' eyes. After they did something like that, you could tell they were full of humility, but they had the eye of the tiger. And there's just there's nothing else like it. You know what I mean? You get down on your hands and knees, and you're washing someone else's feet, and you realize you know how small you are, but at the same time how important you can be if you really go out and uh, you know put forth an honest effort and, and, and try to be the best person you can be. And uh, you know one good deed, no matter how big or small, uh, will ultimately make a difference. But um, it, it was just a great story to hear because you know you hear uh, you know about all these guys who have all the talent in the world, and you know they're jumping over the rim, they're doing this, they're doing that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the guy with the you know, a good head on your shoulders, just a, a beaten heart and just a, a spirit, you know what I mean? A spirit that's willing to fight and a spirit that's just, uh, you know, eager to get out there with his, you know, either his brother or his sisters. So, that's oh, fantastic, yeah. man. That's fantastic. I, like I said, this was a, uh, I was like kid in the candy store for this kind of conversation. And Theology and Dialogue has done its third conversation. This is our third dialogue of the semester, right? We're indebted to Jacob Given. For handing the reins off, and I'm I'm happy because Jake encouraged me when I started doing this to you know get different people to get different ideas out, but also get uh, you know people and, and ideas out there that I know well. And sports is you know for better or worse that's what I know well. And I think uh, again for better or worse, uh, there's such ambivalence uh, towards sport, rightfully so, especially here in this country, maybe even in collegiate athletics right here on this campus. But just hearing Father Rob and Ed talk about Villanova, even if I'm from a rival school, it just was really gratifying to hear that because there is something of the spirit that was truly a part of what they were talking about. They definitely are the best in the business. And, uh, you know, it it takes a long time, I feel like, to, to reach their level. Uh, but, you know, like you said, man, this is just an awesome thing to have, and uh, we're, we're so grateful to have them on this show. And, uh, I mean, I, I really hope, you know, it only gets better from here, although it's, it's hard to, you know, think that that's even possible after you have kind of two hard hitters like that. But, 
but it's been great. So I feel you. If you guys like Theology and Dialogue, please give us a subscription. We're on iTunes, and uh, you can follow us at Theo in Dialogue on social media. We also have TheologyInDialogue.org with all of our content on there. For Chris Morris, I'm Eric Kimmler. This was Theology and Dialogue. Have a great one.